shining a light on autism and life as an autistic person. Welcome to My Friend Autism, a podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism while increasing understanding and acceptance of the autistic community. And now, here's your neurodivergent host, Orion Kelly. so much for listening or watching my friend autism i'm o'ryan kelly i'm autistic now my purpose is to empower you with knowledge education and growth opportunities through open honest and engaging conversations on autism this podcast seeks to break down those stigmas those misconceptions around autism and reach my goal of increasing the level of understanding acceptance and appreciation of autistic people my Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Catch up on all the episodes at orionkelly.com.au. Okay, now on this episode, what I want to do is break down autistic meltdowns. I just think it's important we kind of go through this and just flesh out the idea of meltdowns, autistic meltdowns, and maybe have a bit of a more mature conversation about it rather than what I think a lot of people may think when they think autistic meltdowns. You know, those kind of movie scenes. I think we should start off by talking about what isn't an autistic meltdown. Okay, so like I said, movie scenes, right? The, you know, the Rain Man and all those movies. And again, they're just pieces of art. You take them or you leave them. An autistic meltdown isn't a tantrum. Now, sometimes I hear parents or carers of autistic people try to argue that point with me. I don't, for starters, I'm an autistic person. I'm just using my lived experiences, okay? So I don't really know what you want from me. Um, why would I? I've got no point, no reason to argue with you, a non-autistic person, on why you think they are tantrums or not. Okay, so let's flesh this out. They're not an autistic person trying to be dramatic. They're not an autistic person trying to manipulate or be selfish they're not autistic people trying to seek attention. They're not. They're not. They're autistic meltdowns. I don't think you can put them in the basket of that premeditated manipulation, tantrum, attention-seeking. Another what autistic meltdowns are not that I think is really important to talk about is autistic meltdowns, they, they aren't just things for kids, right? It's not just autistic kids that have meltdowns. Autistic meltdowns, I wouldn't class either as intentional or controllable. So we talked about how it's not manipulation, right? Intentional, premeditated. But also, it's not like they're controllable. It's not something you, you have within your control. And also, for parents and carers, you can't parent out, right? You can't discipline out meltdowns, right? You can't parent out your autistic child having autistic meltdowns. No, it doesn't. You can't early intervene into that. You just, it's part and parcel of being an autistic person. An autistic meltdown, what it is, not what it isn't, what it is. It's an uncontrollable reaction by your brain being triggered to, now this is where it gets complicated. It could be environmental, it could be emotional, it could be social, it could be physical. Overstimulation or understimulation. 
there's a lot of subcategories there. Environmental overstimulation. Not hard to imagine what that kind of be. The things in your environment, in your world, that are become a bit too much. Sounds, smells, emotional stuff. Not being able to not only understand and process what you're feeling, but convey them to others. Social, we know, social and communication challenges are part of an autistic person's way of thinking. It's just their, the way their brain is, is wired differently. Physical overstimulation. Too many people in your space, maybe too much hugs and kisses at parties with your family and friends, or, you know, these types of things. Could even be just the clothes you're wearing. It's a sign of distress. Does that make sense? It's your brain being triggered by this over or under stimulation. And then, I guess, turning on the siren, signaling the stress. The brain has lost control. And the siren's on because basically the brain has lost control of the emotions that have been triggered by the overstimulation. There's feelings and emotions because of the overstimulation. And they've got to the point where the autistic brain has lost control of those feelings and emotions. They're all part of being autistic. They just are. Autistic meltdowns are part of being autistic. You're born autistic, you die autistic. We talk about this so many times. And look, as an adult, they're humiliating. They're not only humiliating, because, you know, as I said, it's, an, it's a super uncontrollable response. You can't just ask your brain to rewire itself and not go, can you not do that again? It's, it's not, you can't, right? This is our brain. It's an autistic brain. But they, they are humiliating. You feel horrible after them. But in addition to that, you mentally and physically are drained. They're exhausting. So it's, it's, a, it's a lose-lose situation. It's not something I'm like, oh, man, you know, don't take them away from me. I want them. I love them. I don't want them. I'm just trying to say they're not just for kids. Autistic kids aren't the only autistic people that have meltdowns. No, it continues in life. They can potentially get worse as you have more stresses placed upon you. I hope that kind of gives you some sort of idea as a starting point of what autistic meltdowns are and aren't. All right, let's talk about causes. So an autistic meltdown is triggered by obviously different things for different people. Autistic people aren't the same. All autistic people are different. You can't always determine the cause of an autistic meltdown because clearly we just talked about it. Everyone's different. But we do know at least it can be caused by some sort of overstimulation or understimulation. Okay, so... A change or a disruption for autistic people, these are bad things. Changes and disruption to plans, to routines that can definitely set off not only autistic kids. You've probably had autistic kids in your life that have had a meltdown because at the last minute something has changed, a plan has changed. Maybe they wanted to go and see someone, a close friend, or maybe a carer or a support worker was coming over to take them somewhere. And that, you know, that person, that child maybe got unwell or couldn't come over or whatever. This happens a lot in the, in the current climate. That's bad. It's not, that's a big change of plans at the absolute last minute. Unexpected demands or needs placed upon that autistic person can also cause it. Now, as for kids and adults, this is very different. Because it comes down to, is there new things today for some reason you need your autistic kid to go through or to do that don't usually do? Where on the other hand, obviously, the unexpected needs and demands placed upon an autistic adult can be far more confrontational. You may have kids, you may have a partner, you may have a job, 
You may be responsible for things. So just life will dictate these are always going to happen. Okay, so that proves that it's not something you just walk away from. You turn a certain age as an autistic person. All right, cool. I'm walking away from meltdowns. I'm walking away from overstimulation. Because think about it. If meltdowns are in part caused by things like being over or understimulated, demands, these kind of things, how can they go away? If the other stuff that causes them certainly won't go away and can get worse. It does see it's it's illogical when you think about it, when you think about it in its entirety, right? Holistically. Experiencing high levels of stress. Demands. Hello. Think we just talked about it. And what's really important is for autistic people, there comes a day in an autistic person's life where they realize where their true capacities are as autistic people. Because the bottom line is it's a medically diagnosed disability. Okay, you have challenges, you have strengths, you have capacities. Everyone's able to grow as people, absolutely. I'm not trying to say, you know, you can't increase your capacities. What I'm trying to say at some point as an autistic person, because you have a diagnosed neurodevelopmental disability, you are going to reach your capacity on certain things. You're going to realise that's happened. Certain demands will exceed your capacity. Your capacity is no longer able to meet those demands or needs. It happens to, ev- it happens to all of us. It causes meltdowns. High levels, not only of stress and demands, but emotional stuff. Right? High levels of being overwhelmed emotionally, not being able to, like I've talked about before, number one, identify what you're feeling, which is almost impossible all the time for autistic people. But then express that, convey that to others. How are you feeling? Uh, whoopee. Huh? <laughs> I don't know. Leaving our safe space. Again, this is a bit like routine and, and changing of... I guess, plans. Okay, so leaving a safe space tends to be your home with your family. You're leaving it, given it's your safe space, that would mean where you're going is not safe in your mind it's, or it's confrontational to a certain level. It may have a confronting environment to it, the, the noise. It might have confronting people, right? It may have confronting needs. It might not be so much the people or the environment, but the task is confronting. People ask this from time to time. How do they feel? I don't get this a lot because honestly, I think most people that aren't autistic, and that may be parents or carers or family members or friends or just people, they don't really care how they feel because they're really only focusing on how they affect them. And I don't think this is unfair. I can, I can see that. If, if, you've got a, if you've got a kid who's autistic and they're having a meltdown, you're just thinking about how this is affecting you, probably. I'm embarrassed. I, I'm mortified. I can't fix this. People think I'm, I'm a bad parent or I can't look after or discipline my own kids or handle my own kids or control my own kids or whatever. So I, I get that. But how do they feel as an autistic person? I can only talk on my own personal opinion. I, they clearly feel different for every autistic person. But what I do know is they feel overwhelming. Like I talked about, the after feeling is humiliation, exhaustion. So during that, you become exhausted and humiliated because you're so overwhelmed you don't really have any insight into how you're reacting or responding. Your brain's shut down. You're full of, I find, panic or fear. You don't know if it will ever end or when it will end. It's hard to know how you got there or how you get out of it. It's overwhelming. You don't choose it. There's some sort of overwhelm to reach the point where your brain has basically lost control and it's a triggered response. Whether you're a kid or an adult, it can manifest in all sorts of ways. For kids, maybe it manifests in more obvious ways, right? More, more stereotypical movie ways. Adults, you might, it might look 
Not as bad from the outside, but you may have an extremely fast heart rate. You may feel just queasy or uneasy, agitated. You might feel like there's ants crawling inside you. You can't control, almost like restless leg. You can't control your body, right? For kids, you might think, oh, that looks really external. For adults, you might think that looks really internal. Either way, you don't know what's happening inside. And if you can only see what's happening outside, either way, you're misjudging it. Because remember, it is, it's coming from the brain. And it's hard to remain calm and it's hard to remain still when you're having an autistic meltdown. Well, no, no, duh. <laughs> How can you? The brain is, has taken over from the point of view that it's been triggered to, in effect, shut down. And that's where meltdowns and shutdowns can be so different yet so similar. Meltdowns being more of an outward manifestation, shutdowns being more of a you, you shut down from the world. You basically want to hide under a rock or something and just reboot. So the autistic person in your life, be that a child or an adult, is having an autistic meltdown. What should you do? What shouldn't you do? Let's talk about what you shouldn't do. What not to do when the autistic person in your life is having a meltdown. Okay, here's a new thing you might want to consider. Maybe don't get angry. Maybe don't find yourself in a situation where this, this whole act, as some people would say, is happening, that you feel like, how dare they? And you basically rise up to their level. You're matching their emotions. You're matching their tone, and that's really bad. Don't get angry. You're getting angry potentially at a child, an adult, who is having an uncontrollable response by their brain. Because they're different. They've got, a, they've got a medically diagnosed disability and you're getting angry at them. You're matching them. No, don't do that. It's the same with raising your voice. Okay, you might think, well, if I don't raise my voice, how will they hear me? How will they hear you? Well, they'll hear you if you get really, really close, won't they? If you just calmly get down to their level, rather than talking down to them or over them, you could get down to their level and talk calmly peacefully and reassuringly to them. That might be slightly more useful. You shouldn't be judging them, right? This is the problem. You're being judged. If, if someone's having a meltdown in your life, you're probably feeling judged by the people around you seeing the meltdown. I mean, for starters, who cares? You have someone in your life who has a different brain and the brain's having a response. They can judge you, but it's, it's irrelevant. Don't get annoyed. Don't get resentful because you feel like you're being judged or you feel like, um, this is just ridiculous. When you think about it logically, it makes more sense. They're not putting on a show for you. Don't withhold things. I find this a lot. Okay, so what I'm basically saying is some parents and carers of autistic kids think that they can bribe their way out of it. Right? There's a difference too, by the way, of from, say, distracting someone in a meltdown to bribing them. And we'll talk about that with what to do. Because distracting is a good thing. Bribing is different. You can't withhold things you know will allow your autistic child or autistic partner or friend to, to stim, to regulate the things that comfort them. Rather than withholding those, as in like, no, not till you stop, give them to them, seek them out, go get them, place it in their space so they can see it's there. And you can tell them, I'm just going to put this here. If you need it, it's there. And then you walk away, not out of the room. What people get confused about too is if you don't bribe them, so you're saying you should ignore them? Well, no, no, definitely don't ignore them. Don't ignore them. That's People do this too. They ignore people having a meltdown. Just ignore it. He'll be right. She'll be right. They hear someone say, oh, don't get so angry or judgmental or blah, bribe them or blah, blah, blah. And they think, oh, that means, okay, well, then, then stuff it. I'm, I'll just leave. No. 
come on, guys. Like, we can do better than this, surely. You want to role model the kind of energy that will help them down at their level, calmly, peacefully. Don't ignore them. Let's fold that into what to do, what you should do when the person in your life is having an autistic meltdown. Maybe if the, the meltdown was caused, and we talk about over and under stimulation, maybe if it was caused by an overstimulation of the environment they were in at, the, at that particular point in time, maybe instead of forcing them to stay in that environment, which people do, like if your kid or your partner is having like a meltdown in an environment, a lot of times the parents or the carers or the partners don't just go, well, look, this is the way it is for, for, for us. And what happens now is I, I do what's best for them. I get them out of there. I might not be able to say goodbye to people. I might always look like I'm leaving and rude. Or, but you know, people will understand if they eventually get to actually know us and they're nice people. Forcing people to stay in the environment that triggered them is not acceptable. You know, For example, if you're taking your autistic child to the pool or beach or something in, in summer and they really want to go there but then they, they get a bit too wet or a bit too sandy in one of the places and you know you can fix it really quickly by a little shower, a bit of water or a towel or whatever but they're like, they've reached the state where now they've completely lost control from the sensation of it, the stimulation, the noise, the stress. They want to go home. They just want to get out of this situation. They just want to get out, get changed, get dry, whatever. And you try to fix that problem. Sure, maybe sometimes it'll work. Maybe you're empowering them. Okay, but as a rule... You need to just understand and embrace it. Just leave the environments that have triggered the autistic person in your life. You could find a quiet place so you can actually stay in that environment if it's, if it's possible. You could try that, regulate themselves and continue to enjoy whatever they're doing. Or if you don't think that's possible, you've try, you try that and it doesn't work, then you just offer, would you like to go home and go, and go home? For some people, there's things that can help. Like I talked about not withholding comforting things. You may find that autistic person in your life likes headphones like noise-cancelling headphones. It might be the, the on-ear or the in-ear. Regardless of what it is, I think distraction is a great tool. This is where people get confused. Hang on, you said don't bribe them with stuff. Now you're saying distract them. We're doing the same thing, right? You're like, hey, look at this. Use this, right? Well, no, the difference is, let's say they're having their meltdown, right? And I, go, I might go, hey, can you show me that dinosaur on the switch again real quick? Like the game thing, right? You're asking a question, you're presenting it to them. They might be distracted by that. They might take that, start playing it, and then start to regulate. Difference is, hey, if you stop this meltdown, you can play your, your switch, right? You stop, stop this meltdown right now, and you can play your switch. That's a bribe. Bringing it over and offering it in conversation is not a bribe. It's, you take it right now. You're not telling them to stop. It's assumed that maybe that will distract them, and they will start to calm down and regulate themselves. Super important. So I guess the key to distracting is bring them the things or offer them the things that you know brings them joy. Who isn't distracted by things that bring them joy? This might not be as relevant for autistic kids as adults, though I think it is personally from experience, but offering alone time is, is super important in these situations. If you Look, for starters, some autistic kids might be completely against going to their room by themselves to regulate or because they, they feel they're being isolated or rejected. Okay, so that's, that's one thing you may have to navigate. You may have a partner who's autistic, just encouraging them it's okay to go away for some alone time or to go away and work on that thing you wanted to do or it's, it's, it's fine. Just why don't, you, why don't you go, you know, that kind of encouragement. Why don't you go away and have a, have a look at that thing you wanted to look at or why don't you go keep working on that or go, you know, you know what I mean? This is kind of a gentle encouragement for alone time. 
I don't think this should be a dirty word. <laughs> You're actually trying to reach someone who's having a triggered response with something that brings them joy and peace and comfort. Another thing you should definitely do is draw in your experience on what you know they do and don't like. So you may know, I certainly know this from experience, you may have an autistic child who absolutely loves real tight kind of bear hugs in these types of situations. They really like that pressure, strong physical pressure. Other kids may hate being touched, and that's cool. That, but what I'm saying is you should know the autistic person in your life better than anyone else. So play to those things. Offer them. Would you like a big tight squeeze? Would you like a bear hug? This may be all they need, not to stop, all they need to start to feel like they can regulate themselves again. They can, they can start to comfort themselves, self-soothe themselves. Reverse of that, obviously, for those that, you know, don't want that kind of stuff, is to offer them plenty of space, plenty of room. Would you like me to sit down in the other room or would you like me to leave this room or, you know, just don't touch them or talk to them unless you need to intervene for your own personal safety reasons for them, for you, for others around. I don't think it matters if autistic kids or adults are outdoorsy people or sporty people or are not. I think it's really important in these situations to encourage fresh air, sunlight, the outside world. When an autistic person has been triggered and has had this type of response and is in fact experiencing autistic meltdown, I know it sounds a bit weird or strange or whatever, but just getting some sunlight on your skin, some fresh air, getting outside, getting away from screens, getting away from inside the house, from artificial lights, these kind of things. I think it's really powerful. And I really think you should encourage, regardless of their preferences usually. I mean, I'm not saying make them go outside and play basketball. I'm saying just come on, let's go outside. Let's, let's just have a little quick breather outside. And in doing that, I think you should encourage them to do really nice slow breaths. People talk about the whole square thing, the kind of, you know, a few seconds in, a few seconds holding, a few seconds out. Is that a, that's not a square. It's more like a triangle. <laughs> anyway, you know what I'm saying, right? So that's a good thing too. Encourage the, the slow, deep breathing. I've heard six seconds is about right, but I mean, you know, you've got to talk about it from their own. You've got to be realistic, whatever works for the person in your life. But outside, fresh air, sun, deep, slow breathing, can be super powerful for helping when the autistic person in your life is having meltdowns. And really the only other thing I'd say is reassurance. Reassurance is being there and being calm and not, like we said, not getting angry or resentful or matching their energy. Reassurance is super important. Understanding is super important. Knowing them, getting to know them and understanding the best things to do to help them. That's key. And I guess the main one, which I always like to talk about and the whole point of what I do, is you could just accept it. <laughs> Is it that hard? I mean, they're autistic. They've got a medically diagnosed disability. They've got a different brain. Their brain's had a response. It's not controllable. It's not manipulative, premeditated. Can you imagine if every time you had something that you can't control that's because of your brain being different, that people got angry at you and resentful and it, it was always a negative response? Can you imagine how that would make a child feel and how, what kind of person you'd grow up to be? in a world that already basically bottom line doesn't accept us or understand us or appreciate us, at least we can start with you, right? I mean, you're close enough to, to an autistic person's life to make change. So let's start with you. Reassurance, understanding, acceptance. 
That's all I'm asking for. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. For even more autistic content, check out the Orion Kelly, That Autistic Guy channel on YouTube. Hey, thank you so much for watching and listening to My Friend Autism, the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Now, if this episode has resonated with you, I'd be delighted if you would share it with your family and friends so we can reach more people and, as always, can continue the conversation on my website, orionkelly.com.au. Shoot me a message. We're here, my friends, to raise that level of understanding, acceptance and appreciation of the autistic community. And I'm just asking you to open up your hearts and minds to people a little bit different to you and embrace the benefits of neurodiversity. Until next time, thank you so much for opening up your minds and embracing differences. You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion and binge all the podcasts, blogs and videos, visit orionkelly.com.au.